right, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a medical breakthrough that might lead us to a real-life cure for hangovers, the extensive history of people seeing strange objects in the sky, and an amazingly isolated campground you can visit, along with the story of the hermit who used to live there. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Today, we have a story about a potential pharmaceutical solution that could reverse the effects of alcohol on the body. For any listener who is legally allowed to consume alcohol, we encourage you to always drink responsibly. But for those of us who sometimes forget to drink enough water, Ashley, can you give a quick refresher on what causes hangovers? Funny story about that. We don't actually know for sure what causes hangovers. It's probably a combination of different factors. Alcohol is a diuretic, which can leave you dehydrated, and it irritates your stomach lining, which can make you nauseous. A lot of scientists blame acetaldehyde, too. That's a toxic carcinogen that takes time to metabolize. As in, drink too much, too fast, and your body won't be able to catch up. But your body does eventually metabolize acetaldehyde, and most hangovers hit their peak after levels of that chemical have gone back down to a normalish range. So this study we wrote about is more about getting rid of alcohol poisoning, not all the effects of alcohol. Right. In a new study, chemical engineer Yunfeng Lu led a team to come up with a pharmaceutical antidote to the toxic effects of alcohol. They ended up using three naturally occurring enzymes that are known to break down alcohol into harmless molecules. The hard part was getting those enzymes to the liver in a safe, effective way. And preliminary tests on mice were pretty successful. The mice had been dosed with ethanol to get them so drunk that they passed out. After four hours, the ones that had been given the enzymes saw a 45% drop in blood alcohol content, they had less liver damage, and they woke up earlier than the others. It's not the end of hangovers quite yet, but this study just might be a good start. Can we rename our podcast Metabolize Acetaldehyde? <laughs> Metabolize Acetaldehyde. I can't believe I just got through that you in one try. You nailed it. First take. <laughs> Cody, do you believe in UFOs? You're asking me like you don't want to know the answer. I, I'm, I'm afraid it'll change our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of people have seen a lot of things. I believe there is a possibility that some kind of alien ship probably could have been spotted actually at some point in human history. I don't think that's totally unreasonable. Sure, I'll give you that. I'm not saying I like believe in it, but I'm I'm just saying, hey, I could be wrong. I mean, yeah, UFO stands for unidentified flying object, and there have been plenty of unidentified <laughs> flying objects in human history. I will give you that. But you don't think there's any way any of them could have been aliens? There's always a way, but it's a very slight. Like there are so many other explanations that are so much more likely. Sure. There are a lot of things that can be in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. And when I say people have been seeing unidentified things in the sky, that goes way, way back. Curiosity looked into UFO history, and today we've got a story about how people have been seeing strange objects in the sky for millennia. Think ancient Egypt. There's a piece of ancient papyrus that we think dates back to about 1480 BCE. 85 years ago, the Vatican Museum's Egypt director at the time made a copy of that papyrus and discovered a story about a circle of fire in the sky measuring about 150 feet across. Days and weeks passed, and that circle was joined by others until, quote, their splendor exceeded that of the sun and extended to the limits of the four angles of the sky, unquote. Finally, they ascended into the upper atmosphere and disappeared, at which point the pharaoh had incense burned out of respect for the bizarre occurrence. Now, technically, this story might be a hoax. The original papyrus mysteriously disappeared, and even the Vatican lost the copy that their director had made. But there are plenty of legitimate records of sightings from the last millennium. 
1561, the whole city of Nuremberg, Germany, spotted two blood-red arcs appear in front of the sun. As the hours went by, they were joined by battling orbs in the sky, several spinning rods, and eventually a massive black spear. Less than a century later, in 1639, the first UFO sighting in North America was recorded by the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony. He wrote a witness's description of another fire in the sky. And in 1896, an assistant to California's Secretary of State saw three lights in the sky above the Capitol, slowly approaching his position. You can read the full story of all these sightings today on Curiosity.com and on the Curiosity app for Android and iOS. But the takeaway is that if you love UFO sightings, then flip open a history book sometime. There's a lot out there. Look, I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. You're totally saying it's aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, have you ever gone on a vacation just to get away from it all? I should have done that once. I never. I don't know. Maybe I have. I mean, where you just go out in nature, no cell phone reception, that kind of thing. Not since I was little. I mean, I grew up in the wilderness and we would do that a lot. And that was like pre-cell phones. But no, I, you know what? I need to. I want to. Well, today we wrote about a place where you might want to go, Ashley, to get away from it all. I'm ready. And if you at home or someone you know is the outdoorsy type, then yeah, this is the perfect place. Along with a pretty cool story, by the way. You can camp where a famous hermit lived for more than 30 years. It's in the Cold River area of New York's Adirondack Mountains. In the early 1900s, Noah John Rondeau lived in solitude for 36 years as mayor of Cold River City, population one. We don't know a lot about Rondeau's early life, but in his 30s, he got fed up with daily life and the Depression-era labor force, so he built a log cabin overlooking the water in 1914, and he was living there year-round by the 30s. He actually built a few different buildings for his town, including a town hall, which is where he lived, a hall of records, and a number of teepee-like wigwams. He used to give tours and violin performances to people passing by, so he wasn't your stereotypical antisocial hermit. In fact, in 1947, New York's conservation department dropped him a letter from the air asking if he would come to a sportsman show in New York to stand in as an example of the wilds of the Adirondacks. Rondeau accepted when officials came back to pick him up in a helicopter, and he brought along a buckskin suit, a muskrat hat, and snowshoes. Rondeau moved back to civilized life after a storm wrecked his camp in 1950, and he passed away later in 1967. You can still visit the old site along the Northville Lake Placid Trail, and it's easy to see why somebody would want to live there. Let us know if you've ever been there. We're always down to retweet pictures from your last trip. Yeah, upstate New York. A lot of nature. Yeah. Trees. Changing leaves. Mountains. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Any any type of three-dimensional terrain is a little foreign to Midwesterners like me, <laughs> where my drive between Chicago and Des Moines, Iowa, to and from college left a bit to be desired in, yeah. terms, of, uh, in terms of landscape. But that's the cool thing about America. There's so many different terrains. That's true. Okay. Today is the very last time we'll remind you about the 2018 Podcast Awards. We promise. That's because voting closes soon. If you haven't heard, Curiosity Daily has been nominated for recognition in the categories of People's Choice, Education, and Science and Medicine. But we need your help to become a finalist. You can find a link with instructions in today's show notes or just visit podcastawards.com to sign up and cast your vote. Just look for Curiosity Daily in the drop-down menus, and that's it. Every vote helps a lot, so tell your friends. It never hurts to share a link on Facebook or Twitter. You can even use the hashtag PCA18. Thank you if you've already voted, and we really mean it when we say we appreciate that you took the time to do that. And we'll let you know if we win. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious.
on the Westwood One Podcast Network. 